Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. How is training for the 5K and marathon any different besides running more miles and having a longer long run? Did you know that elite 5K runners still train at least 70 miles per week? That is a whole lot of running. A lot of the training for a 5K and a marathon are very similar. You know, you're just logging those miles. But there are some differences that we should address to make sure that you train correctly for your goals and reach your potential. We are going to chat about why it's also possible to PR in the 5K while you're marathon training. So today I have with me Jason Phillippe, who is the head cross-country and distance track coach at the University of Wisconsin River Falls, which is a D3 university, and he has a decade of coaching experience here that he is going to share with us. Um, he also helps you know, marathon runners reach their goals using Run for PRs, and before being a Run for PRs coach, he was a coach at the club level at Lifetime Fitness, so he definitely has experience with both the marathon training and the 5K, you know, 10K shorter distance races, and so it's very interesting to have him here today to talk about how these two events are different and also maybe sharing some of the similarities and just kind of dissecting what you need to do to reach your potential um, in all of the distances across the board. So first, I wanted to just start off with talking a little bit about what systems are used um, when training for these races. So running, as many of you guys know, is an aerobic sport. So Jason, tell us a little bit about what that means. What is an aerobic sport and what other types of systems are there within the sports realm? Yeah, so running primarily, when we think about running, we're thinking about running for, I don't know, 30 to 30 minutes to an hour at a time. And we're going to be staying in the long term, which is the aerobic system. So pretty much in there 100% of the time. Um, there is the short term, which is called the anaerobic system. And this is something that we can only really maintain for about two minutes. Um, so we think about elite runners who are training for like 800 meters, um, they're running all anaerobic for that 800 meter race. Um, the only time we kind of switch into anaerobic is at the very end of like a 5k. So maybe that last like hundred or 200 meters when we are sprinting, um, because our body's not able to, you know, our muscles aren't able to get the same amount of oxygen as they are when we're running slower. So, um, there's also a third kind of system, which is kind of called the immediate, um, phosphocreatine system. It's, basically for all out sprinting. So think about hundred meter dashes or when you're doing strides as fast as you can. So those are kind of the three systems that we'll be referring to. And obviously if you're training for a marathon, you're going to want to train primarily in the aerobic system versus if you're training for shorter races, we're going to mix in a lot more of the faster two systems. Well, that's really interesting. Um, I guess, you know, me not having a big physiology background. Um, I know that you do, 
it's it's interesting to hear that there's like three different systems. So there's like that long term, there's the aerobic system, which I think all of us are familiar with, right? You know, if you're going out there for a long run or anything, you know, longer than two or five minutes, you're really going to be using that aerobic system. Then there's that short term system. You know, you said it was that lactate and anaerobic system, which is used, you know, in those 400s, 800s, um, you're utilizing that system a lot. But then there's even something that's even shorter distance there, that immediate system, that ATP system. So is that the same sort of system that you would use like when you're lifting then? Yeah, basically any sort of power lifting that you're doing or heavy weight, you're definitely using that system. Um, so, you know, it could be five to 10 second lifts, that sort of thing. That's really cool. Um, and it's actually kind of funny because... I bet a lot of runners maybe have an underdeveloped, you know, system um, in that that shorter, super short, you know, the sprinting stuff um, because we focus so much on the aerobic. But needless to say, all three are important if you are going to be doing any races, I think. But the most important one, and I think the one that takes the longest to really develop and sets you apart as a distance runner is going to be that long-term aerobic system. And so just thinking about the different races Races that you can do within the sport of running. Um, you know, like let's say someone is going to go out there and run a one mile race. How much of that is the aerobic system going to utilize? And how much of that is like an anaerobic? Yeah, it depends on what level you're at. So for elites, you know, maybe about 50 50 if they're running a mile in four minutes. Um, but for most of us, it's probably going to still be, you know, 70 to 80% at least in the aerobic zone. And then getting down to that last, you know, quarter mile or whatever, when we start our kick or our sprint, that's when we're transitioning into the anaerobic zone. So, um, it really just depends on how experienced you are as a runner and kind of what level you're at and how long you're out there. Right. And so that's for the one mile. So really, I mean, if you're a competitive athlete, we're talking six, seven minutes at the longest, you'd be out there. And so, like you said, you're only getting two minutes in that, you know, anaerobic zone. So percent percentage wise, you know, you can do the math there. But, you know, what becomes interesting is <clears throat> the jump from a one mile to a 5k. I think a lot of listeners and even myself, it doesn't seem like that big of a difference, you know, like, I mean, it's just what two extra miles, right? Like I think the jump from 5k to marathon sounds a lot crazier, like almost you're going to use different system, but what's interesting, you're saying the mile could be, you know, 70% aerobic, but then you jump to that 5k, how much percent aerobic is the 5k? Pretty much 95 to hundred. Um, it just depends on again, how long you're out there and how much of a finishing kick you have. And, um, you know, when you're able to really start to, to grind it out towards the end of the race. Um, the other thing too, is, you know, I coach distance runners for track program and it's very hard to make sure I'm differentiating the program for the milers and 800 runners versus the five Kers. Um, and then it moves to 10 K when we get outdoors, but, um, you know, it's definitely a constant um, challenge for me, especially if runners are trying to run fast for the five K and they also want to run a mile every now and then, and they're running the three K and, so how do I really individualize their training to make sure that they're working each system, trying to maximize their performance for each event that they want to specialize in? Um, definitely makes it challenging, but I think we'll talk about some of the different workouts that we can do. And, um, you know, thinking about the 5K, you know, most of us, if we're going to do, you know, most of us as adults, if we're going to do a mile race on the road, um, we're probably not going to train like college kids would if they're doing a mile on the track. Um, for one, we probably may not have that access to the track, but we also don't have 
you know, those people around us, teammates who are able to push us and really, you know, dig deep and run fast 200, 400 meter, you know, reps. And those are the types of workouts that we would do if you're training for the mile. Right. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting how you said the 5k is 95% aerobic, which is crazy. And I think, you know, it varies from person to person. And I think I read once where the gender is a little bit different too. Like for women, it might be more closer to the 95%, but like men, it's like 80, 88%. And obviously every individual is different. And, you know, but when we're seeing that 90% or 95% of the 5k race would be the aerobic system, it just is crazy to me because how much then if we're, if we jump up to like the half or the full marathon, how much percent of that race is aerobic? Yeah, pretty much 100%. Again, until you're coming, you know, once in a while you'll see a half marathon where it comes down to the last literally you know, 100 meters of a race where two guys are trying to kick each other for the win or something. Then those guys are probably transitioning into the anaerobic phase. But for the most part, it's 100% aerobic. Um, but again, through tre- through threshold training, you can really start to run faster for longer. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the main difference. Right. So when you hear those stats, you know, a 5K is 95% aerobic. A marathon is 100% aerobic. They don't sound like they would be too different to train for, you know. And then when you were talking about how the mile could be, you know, 60% aerobic it seems almost like the training difference between a one mile race and a 5k they're almost more drastically different than a 5k to a marathon just for comparison's sake but I think it does go to show that there are differences and different systems are being used so it's important to train um, those specific systems I know you mentioned the threshold training Um, but then you know you look at that five percent the difference between the marathon and the 5k and and asking yourself, is it even worth it to train that anaerobic system? And so for me, I always think, okay, let's say you're a 20-minute 5K runner. That extra 5% of your race, that's one minute. Like that's 60 seconds. And so when you start looking at it that way, like that's the difference between like a 19 flat 5K and a 20 flat. Or if you're, you know, a 24-30, it could be the difference between you running a 24-30 and like a 23-20. You know what I mean? So it's that extra edge that's going to get you um, to perform better. So let's say you have a super developed aerobic system already, um, training specifically for the 5k and doing the right types of workouts that can get you that extra 5% um, of that anaerobic system developed, that's going to help you a lot. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of people don't have that issue. I think the bigger issue is becoming more aerobically fit, which can take a very long time. So Jason, what do you usually think is like the turnaround time for someone to like build the endurance and build the aerobic base to be able to just go from non-runner or just like 5k as the max run that they do to being able to run a marathon? Um, I mean, that's, it's such a, that answer is going to depend again on so many factors. And I know we've talked about this in the past, where you are in your running journey, how many years you've been running, how much time you're willing to allocate, you know, all of those factors um, are you prone to injury? And so I think if you're going to, if you're going to step it up from the 5k and you want to train for a marathon, I mean, typically we would want at least like a six month block, uh, minimum, possibly longer, but it's possible to do it in that time frame. But the main thing is basically, we just want to focus on long continuous runs. That's going to be more important for your, um, aerobic engine to be developed over time. And 
then, um, you know, within, within those longer runs, the type of, so of workouts that we really want to be focusing on are definitely going to be tempo runs. So tempo runs can be classified. I know we did a podcast on this. There's going to be your steady state runs, which are more, more at like kind of that marathon pace. So a little bit slower, you can, you know, you can run those for probably, you know, an hour, hour and a half at a time at least. And then your threshold training is going to be shorter, but a little bit faster blocks of, of, um, you know, more intense running, which basically can last, you know, the elites can handle their threshold pace for up to an hour, but most of us probably up to 20 to 30 minutes or so. Um, and again, there's a lot of variations we can do with structuring those workouts to give you like a minute or two break in there just so that you can handle longer, um, sessions of, of at your threshold pace. So yeah, I love how you're going into the details of what workouts, you know, people can do to become better marathoners or more efficient with their aerobic system. But I think one thing that's often not talked about and addressed is the value of time when it comes to developing an aerobic system. So just for some background for people listening, um, I've been running for about 10, 11, like 11 or 12 years now. Um, my first race was nine years ago. Um, at that time, I think, you know, maybe f- five miles was about as far as I could go. Um, but, you know, then I started getting more into the sport and more competitive with things, you know, joined a race team um, and all of that stuff. And then, you know, once you kind of get to the point where you're ready to tackle your first marathon, you know, a couple years in, I was training with someone who we had similar 5K times. I mean, I was generally faster than this other person um, and we're gearing up for the marathon, but I didn't have nearly as much running experience under my belt, right? Like I didn't have the years of training. I didn't have all the mileage base that this other person did, but we were like at the same 5K level. And so then we go to train for this marathon, race day comes, we have similar goals, right? Cause we're around the same pace. I run like a 409 and she's running a 343. And so it wasn't even just like a one time fluke race. It was just my aerobic system did not have the same backing that hers did. Cause she had been running since, you know, for 15 years. And I had only been running for maybe three to four competitively. And so I think there's just something to say physiologically about people who have a longer time, even if they weren't training for a marathon. I mean, if you're taking someone that has years and years of biking or hockey or soccer or cross-country running experience, regardless of how fast they are, they're going to probably have an upper hand because of the things that are happening in their body on a cellular level. And so I think, you know, you can't ever compare yourself to someone else. And that was a lesson that I learned is that, you know, just because you can run the same 5K time or whatever, doesn't mean that it's going to translate because there's a lot of things that go into this quote unquote aerobic base that we always like to talk about. And it's just really important to address that. That's going to come into play. And so I always tell my athletes that you're always building that aerobic base and it's something that's never going to go away. Um, And even for you, Jason, when you ran your first marathon, how do you think that your aerobic base that you had built over the years prior helped you? And what was your background going into training for your first marathon? Yeah, I think I, because I started running, you know, in about middle school and I was always on the track team and then cross country in high school, you know, I was pretty consistent, I guess, over the years with, 
probably running a fair amount of miles, like I'd say 30 to 40 miles a week. And so, you know, we'd sprinkle in some long runs in there. I had done a, a handful of 10 to 14 mile long runs in college. And so I think going into that first marathon, I'd establish a pretty good aerobic base. I didn't really train like I would want to train now for leading into a marathon training block cycle. But, um, yeah, I think my longest run was only 18 miles before that, before my actual first marathon. So, um, you know, I, I was able to still finish in an okay time. I wasn't quite where I wanted to be, but I think just because I was a kid who grew up playing sports and was involved with running, I had a pretty, pretty solid aerobic base. But if you, you know, again, if you compared my marathon time to my times in college in the five care of the mile, I mean, it was 20 to 30 minutes slower based on what I should have been able to do if I had trained specifically for the marathon. So while the time still was okay for, you know, for an average person, it still wasn't quite in line with where my potential lies based on the type of training that I could have been doing. Right. And I think a lot can be said, you know, your first marathon time was a sub three. Um, You didn't feel good. You didn't really train. But the reason that you were able to run, you know, 645 pace for 26.2 miles, it wasn't necessarily because you had like a great training block leading up to it. It was because you had been running consistently for years and years and years. And maybe you didn't have a lot of long runs. Maybe you didn't, you know, have like a ton of mileage. But the fact that you had been running for so many years played a role in how you were able to successfully navigate that. And so some people might look at that and say, oh, it's just because he's fast or he has a lot of speed. It's natural. And yes, there is a little bit of truth to that, but we did say earlier that the marathon is 100 or 99% aerobic. So it's not really that he's naturally gifted. It's not like a natural speed thing. It's just that, you know, the guy had been running for 15 years prior and it was maybe a lot of like 45 to 60 minute runs, but that aerobic system was developed over years and years and years. And that's what you're seeing um, on marathon race day. And so it's really hard for people who are new to the sport, you know, like I was new to the sport. And when I first did my marathon, it's hard to not get caught up in the comparison trap because, you know, some of us aren't lucky enough to have had an aerobic base previously established like maybe we we weren't involved in sports and we didn't exercise in our early adulthood so it just is all about giving yourself time um and the crazy thing about this aerobic base is that I feel like once it's developed it's almost there for a lifetime and it's it's like a bank like you're saving it and I've seen so many runners who are great athletes um in you know high school college maybe they take a couple of years off but then when they come back it just comes right on back um and i know you've experienced that even yourself as a runner um what can you say about that aerobic base and how important it is and just trying to explain to people like how if you know all of your hard work is worth something and it's like you're building a bank and it's not it doesn't go away as quickly as you think it does yeah, I think um, you know it can be easily maintained as long as you're 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 getting out the door. You know, a couple of days a week, especially during an off season period. You know, you don't need to be training as much as you were um, leading into like a marathon training block. Um, so, like Victoria mentioned, I think we talked about uh, one of my best friends who took two or three years off, and then he came back to running. And yeah, it probably took him I don't know about a year or eight months build up, but he got kind of right back to where he was three years prior. 
and got even a little bit faster. So um, again, that will depend on how many years you've had, you know, in the sport of running. Um, when I think about my college athletes, I always talk to them about just building for the future. And we're just trying to slowly build upon year after year. Um, you know, I don't expect a lot of them to set their lifetime PRs as a freshman or sophomore in college. I'm thinking long-term for each and every one of them. I'm thinking as a senior before they're heading out, you know, into the, the world of adulthood, and then they can obviously move up in distances. That's kind of where we really want to set their lifetime PRs. So, you know, building upon that aerobic base year after year, I think is really going to be, you know, something to focus on um, as you look ahead. Right. And I think it's really cool to note, you know, you talk about the story of your friend who took two to three years off, but not only that, like I'm a regular listener of, you know, rambling runner podcasts and some of these other like runner stories that are out there. And I mean, you regularly hear about people that ran in high school or college and literally took five to 10 years off. Like they didn't run at all. You know, people had kids, whatever. Um, and so they have the background when they were younger, then they come back to the sport, you know, maybe they're 30 years old and they say, you know, I started from ground zero and it's like, yes, of course, like you started over, but all of a sudden, you know, two years in there, they are again, and they're able to bust out a sub three hour marathon. And of course it has to do with, they came back to the sport, they worked hard, but a lot of it, you know, it all stems back to the aerobic base that was developed when they were younger. And there is such a value to that. And I think it's really sometimes not um, mentioned or maybe it's downplayed because of course it is hard to come back, but your past plays a role in like your future. So anytime, like if you're listening to this and you have years of running experience and you're on a comeback right now, it's going to come back. Like it's going to be easier for you because you have that experience. So I always think of it as an asset and never as like, Oh, it's, it's going to be so hard to get back there. It's, it's all just asset, you know, aerobic system developed in the bank. Um, and even at like a cellular level, what are some of the things that happen when you train for a marathon, when you train for long distance running? Well, basically it just, what, what happens with our muscles is, is, um, we're increasing our capillary and our mitochondrial volume. So the amount of, you know, energy that our muscles can handle and the amount of blood flow to those areas. And so, you know, the longer you run, the long, our body has more time to, to adapt and learn how to, um, provide that fuel that we need to sustain, to sustain that pace. And so, um, you know, we'll switch gears here in a, in a minute and start talking about the 5k, 10k and, and what are some of the differences that are going on in the body. Um, but one other thing I wanted to talk about was for, you know, Anyone who's looking to run a faster 5K or 10K, you know, let's say, and I have an athlete right now, he's, his goal is uh, 5K in July. So we're about six or seven months out from that. Um, right now, I'm kind of training him like I would be training someone who's going to run a marathon in a few months, um, minus a long run. So obviously, we're not doing those long 15 to 20 mile runs, but we're still mixing in a lot of strength work, um, hill training, a lot of threshold, a lot of tempo work, so that when we get to probably three months down the road, we can start transitioning to more anaerobic training, more interval workouts. Um, so again, I'm trying to work on helping him understand like we need to develop that aerobic base and that that's going to make him a stronger runner. And then when we get to the intervals, it, it's going to seem more attainable. They're not going to feel as fast because he did a lot of work in those threshold zones, which, which in over time kind of built up his, where his anaerobic threshold value is. Um, so maybe he can handle running you know, six minute pace for, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes. Um, 
and you know only be at maybe 85% of his max heart rate value. So what, that's kind of what we're focusing on. Um, you know, so when we talk about thinking about when when is your A goal race? You know, if it's a 5K in three months, you know that's a little bit less time. We're gonna have to probably get into the faster interval work right now. Um, but if it's longer down the road, we're still gonna kind of build you up into a strong kind of a strong, I'm going to kind of separate it into two different blocks where we'll focus more on the endurance building and then we'll shift to more of the interval training. So, yeah. So it's safe to say that a lot of the 5k training and marathon training will spend quite a bit of time developing that aerobic zone. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you said, the 5k training, when you're really far out, it's all about that aerobic base. And then as you get closer, you know, maybe two, three months out, you start introducing some of that anaerobic to give that additional 5% boost to make sure we have both systems, the anaerobic and aerobic system developed for the 5k. But when you're talking about just running the marathon, you know, we really want to focus on just that aerobic zone and that aerobic fitness and getting you in the best aerobic shape possible, because that's really the only system that is going to be used in the longer distance races. And so I think you mentioned earlier, you know, we're going to increase mileage. We're going to do a progressive overload principle. We're going to focus a lot of time on aerobic tempos and threshold training because basically your threshold is, is the rate in which, you know, it's like the fastest that you can run in your aerobic zone. So you really want to lower your threshold and the way that you lower it is running at your threshold pace. Um, we don't want to go too fast because then, you know, you're working in the anaerobic zone. We want to just stress that threshold zone. And so it's really important during threshold work to make sure we're training at our threshold and not above it. Um, I'd rather have people even go a little bit too slow than too fast because that's better than it would be to go too fast, work the wrong zone, then you're not going to see any improvements. So the biggest thing with marathon training is making sure we're staying in those an in those aerobic zones, not racing workouts, not um, stressing the wrong, the wrong zones. Cause you only get so many workouts. You only get so many weeks to train and you want to just really utilize and work to your work smarter, not harder. Right. That's what we always say here. So yeah, the biggest, the biggest difference there is going to be, uh, for the 5k, we do have more speed work, that we introduce maybe two to three months out. So now that we've kind of talked about the marathon and how we're really working that aerobic zone, not doing a lot of speed workouts and, you know, Yazo's 800 is something that always comes up. I don't like doing those. I think there are better workouts that you can do. Um, 800 meters is not really, I mean, there's, there's a time and place to do that sort of workout, but I think a better workout instead of doing that during marathon training would be a tempo run or longer tempos. It's all about tempo, tempo, tempo. How can we build your stamina and your threshold? I'm not as concerned about, you know, doing work at, you know, your 5k, 10k pace, um, in marathon training. So transitioning into the 5k training, what that kind of looks like for people, um, what is, what's the difference and what, what does it look like? Yeah, and I kind of want to go back to that athlete I was talking about because we're building him up for a, a good 5K progression in, in July. Um, you know, right now he's still getting – he's running about 50 miles a week, so we are keeping his long run around 10. That's about 20% of his mileage. Um, cutback weight might be, might be 8 or 9, and then on a, peak, on a harder week we might go up to 11 or 12. But just to give you some perspective um, of kind of what he's doing, and then what we'll, we'll also do is um, start transitioning here to some faster interval training. Um, 
So basically what intervals help with, especially um, increasing your cardiac output, um, you're getting more enzyme activity in the blood. And so um, you're, you're increasing what's called your heart stroke volume, which is often, often referred to as your VO2 max. And so basically um, that helps deliver and increase the delivery of the blood um, and oxygen to your muscles. And the higher we can raise our VO2 max, um, the faster we're going to be able to go for longer and our blood's going to be able to supply our working muscles so that they don't run out of blood and oxygen and then fatigue and slow us down. So, um, you know, VO2 max numbers are varied for, for runners. They can be anywhere from, I don't know, 40 to 70, depending on who you are and how long you've been running. Um, but, you know, we really want to start focusing on those intervals of two to five minutes um, where we can elicit that VO2 max. And typically the best thing to do is offer equal recovery. So for running, um, let's say we're running for four minute interval sessions. Um, we probably want to offer about four minutes in between so that that allows our body to rest. And also we can get back into that pace. Um, so a lot of times if we're doing four minute intervals and we only offer a minute or two rest, we're not gonna be able to sustain that for as many, you know, interval reps as we would like. Um, so that kind of defeats the purpose of, of the workout. So, you know, as a new runner, we may only give you like two or three, um, to see how you handle it. But a lot of times the more experienced runner you are, you're going to have probably six, eight reps of, of a specific speed workout. So it depends on what we provide. Um, and you know, we may start off with something shorter just to see how you handle it, like 400 repeats, because that way you're only running for, you know, depending on how fast you are, I would say 70 sec- 75 seconds all the way up to maybe a minute and a half to two minutes would take most people to run a 400. So that's a quarter mile. Um, so that's a good kind of just um, base interval workout. So we can kind of see how you handle it, see what the trend are. Can you maintain the pace or are you slowing down? And, you know, anywhere from six to eight of those w- would be a good first workout. Right. Yeah. And listening to some of these workouts, I'm sure some people are listening and they're like, oh, these are like my least favorite type of workouts. Or maybe some people listening and think it is their favorite type of workout. Um, And it's so funny how everyone's different. And I guess one thing, you know, we haven't really touched on yet is like people's natural ability levels and inclinations to do certain types of workouts. Um, You know, for me, if you if you look at my marathon times versus 5K, 10K times, um, I think I have stringed together quite a few like good marathon training blocks where I feel like I did what I had to do. You know, I did the threshold. I did the higher mileage. I did the long runs. Like I did all of the stuff. Um, and, you know, everything indicated, ba- you know, based on like what my short distance times were like 5K, 10K that like I should be capable of running X marathon time and everything. And it just I never really have ever felt like great when I run long, like it's something about it. Like, I don't know my body. I don't, I don't like running long, um, longer than, you know, 90 minutes. It, it just, it some, I don't know. And then like when I race longer than 90 minutes, mm-hmm. it's just my body. I just don't feel good. Like there's, I, I can race. Okay. Right. Like I'm, I'm pretty yeah. okay at it, but it, I'm never like in my zone. Whereas, you know, I've done like 5k, 10k races before where I'm just like, like my body just loves it. I love it. Like it just seems like everything comes together. And I just love the feeling of like being in that right on that line and just like almost like dying out of breath. Like I, my body just, it seems like I am better at the short stuff and it's hard to even explain it. And I've, I've, you know, I've trained for both distances and 
consistently time after time, I perform better um, for my ability level in the short distances. You know, I, I have a sub 19 minute 5k PR. I've broke uh, 40 in the 10k. And those are like indicative of being closer to like a 305 or like, like low three in the marathon. And I've only ever ran. Um, I've broken 315 twice in my life. Um, and it pretty much almost killed me. So um, what it, like what is there to say about like people's natural inclinations and is everyone's body different and is that a real thing or do you think it's just coincidental? Yeah, I mean, it's going to depend on your, you know, what is your experience up to this point, you know, with with not just racing certain distances, but how much running you've been doing? What are the types of workouts that you've been doing? Because obviously, you're probably training in a certain way if you're running a certain distance, you're trying to at least. So um, again, it's it's really about what when when you feel comfortable doing certain types of workouts, like, you know, with some of my athletes right now, really just trying to challenge them to explore different types of workouts because I think that that gets them to be more open-minded and helps them start to grow into, you know, kind of work on their weaknesses because if if we've never really done speed before or we've never really done longer threshold training before, I think that there's, you know, after some consistency of implementing few, you know, a few of those workouts, I think that you can start to grow stronger and feel more confident. But I think it just depends on, you know, again, your time, your experience, all those factors. Um, Right. No, I really love what you said about it's all about doing the workouts and really doing the right workouts for you and not being afraid of trying new workouts and really just grinding it out. And, you know, when I reflect back on some of those marathon training cycles that I did, it's like, yeah, I did the work, but sometimes it was like going through the motions, um, in my opinion. And like, I think there can be something said about like if your heart's not like 100% in it. I think I described like running over 90 minutes mm-hmm. as like not something that I enjoy doing. Um, and it's hard to admit that because I like to do it, but I think it's it's just not, I don't know, part of me doesn't love it. Like I, I like the challenge of it, but sometimes my mind... Um, my mind almost like checks out sometimes like it's not like my total jam you know what I mean and it's like I wish I could force it a little bit more but it's hard when your heart's not 100% in it and I think that can, that's maybe what um, prevents me from really doing the performance that is indicative of my shorter distance times and there's something to be said about that I think you know coming from someone who has ran 19 marathons, I definitely know that people, outsiders often will act like running a marathon is like such an amazing accomplishment. And it's easy to fall in that trap of thinking like you have to train for a marathon. Um, You know, sometimes when you meet people, one of the first questions after you tell them you're a runner is, oh, have you ever ran a marathon? Um, The next question is usually how many or have you qualified for Boston? And it's funny because that's really the only questions that you get asked. Like people aren't going, oh, like what's your 5K PR? You know what I mean? Whereas like that can be a super great accomplishment in itself. Um, Funny story. Jason has a friend, Jason Corford, who, gosh, I don't even know. Like what's his 5K PR? Oh, man. Um, Probably just just under 16 minutes, like 1540 something. Right. So this guy's like a 1545 K runner. Um, he's been running his entire life, like since he was 10 and <laughs> he's in his thirties when he, or maybe like late twenties when he ran his first marathon, but in every job he ever had or every social interaction, when someone find out, Oh, 
you're a runner. Um, they say, are you a marathon runner? And he'd just say no, because he didn't run one until he was almost 30. Um, and people would laugh at him and say, oh, you're not a real runner then, <laughs> which is so funny because so he yeah. runs, like, how many miles a day does he I don't know, run? 8 to 10 miles, like, every day. 8 to 10 miles every day since he was 10 years old for, like, 20 years, right? And he's a 15-something 5 k And then you got people telling him, oh, you're not a real runner. You know, and I think there's, like, such a stigma yeah. involved with, like, not training for a marathon or not being a marathon runner or, like, just – I don't know what – what do you think, like, caused the big, like, bubble up of, like, the marathon distance um, being such, like, the golden icon and the um, be, end-all, be-all of distance running? I think it's just – I mean, social media definitely hasn't helped. Um, <laughs> uh, definitely. And then the, the whole medal thing, too, I think, oh. where everyone gets a medal and, you know, it just – I don't know. There's just something about the the build up to the marathon, right? Like it's so much different than just running a, a 5K because you're not going to get all worked up and nervous and you, plus you're going to recover quickly and all that after 5K. But there's just something to be said about the marathon. It's like the month, the you know, the two weeks leading into it and the two weeks coming out of it are drastically different, you know, comparing to any other distance that you're going to be training for. So I think people just... I don't know. They just, and a lot of people that are new to the sport of running too, like they don't want to go out and like try to run a certain time for a 5k. That's not like, they don't want to push it to their max. They want to run their first 5k and then they want to run a 10k. And it, it always comes down to like adding the distance. And that's totally fine. Cause for, it's a good challenge and right. It keeps you, keeps you going and for more in the sport. And we love that. But you know, for some reason, I guess just the stigma has shifted to more about the distance and not so much the speed and the time. Right. And that'd be kind of cool to start to, you know, and there are plenty of organizations out there. Every, every community and metro area has like their, um, you know, their USA track and field mm-hmm. um, on a local level where there's, there's, you know, master's levels and there's, um, you know, open divisions where you can go and run like track races yeah. and there's cross country races. And so there's more out there than just your typical road races. Um, but I think it'd be cool to have more people focusing on on running fast. Like I just think yes. that it would be so fun if that was more of a trend and more of a kind of a popular thing to talk about. Um, and who knows, maybe in the future it will. But yeah, no, I totally agree with you one hundred percent. So like, we how many marathons have you ran, Jason? Mm, I think nine. He thinks nine. So yeah. he's lost track at this point. I'm at nineteen. Like, so we know the marathon distance. We've done it. We're we love it. Like we'll, we, we're never going to like be done with it. You know, like we say all this stuff, we're like, oh, they're so hard or, you know, whatever. But I just, it's hard to like completely shelf it. I, I don't think I ever will. But like you said, I think, you know, training for the short distance, it's just, I just love it so much, you know? And I think part of it, you know, when we did most of our marathoning, um, you know, the bulk of them before I ever had kids, I think I had what, 15, 16 marathons under my belt already. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, well, I had more time. And maybe when I get older, you know, with older kids, I think maybe even more time there. But for me, it just comes down to doing a two to three hour run on the weekend and then having zero time to recover from that, you know, chasing mm-hmm. a toddler or just being busy with work and just the season of life that you're in, um, it just becomes harder and maybe not even like harder, just like maybe not as enjoyable as it once was. Cause I remember when we used to train for marathons, it was like, okay, we, we had no, we didn't have any obligations on the weekend, no kids, nothing. So we just go out, do our run, yeah, come back and lay on the couch for like three hours and go out to eat. Like <laughs> it was a lot easier. 
Um, but now it's like, okay, I can go on my run, but then I'm leaving you to watch Chase. And then like, you're not able to train for your races. And then when I come home, I'll be really tired. You know, I, mm. my energy levels will be lower. It'll be hard to like mom and do all the things. And then if you leave to go on your run, then I'm hobbling around yeah. trying to catch a toddler. If, you know, I'm not going to fault anyone for who wants to, who's new to the sport, who wants to try to run their first marathon. Um, I just think it's actually healthy to take breaks and to yes. focus on other distances. And, and then you become a, a more of a well-rounded runner. Um, you know, if you focus on some speed stuff and some shorter races. And then the other thing I was thinking was about, you know, going back to why we all choose the marathon. Um, I think, it gives us an excuse to really travel and go to bigger cities and run the yeah. bigger races because they're more nostalgic. But, um, you know, when's the last time you saw someone post about going to San Antonio for a 5K or, you know, flying out to Phoenix for, to race a 10K? Like, it's so rare. Um, you know, one of these years I'll go to Boston and run a mile. No, But I think that those are the types of, like, we need to see people out there talking about being proud of running those distances too instead of just, you know, running another marathon or a half marathon. Yeah, totally. And I think some people may be listening and think, well, you're fast, so everyone thinks your 5Ks are impressive. So I don't know. I think there's just like a stigma out there. I don't know what the deal is. But, you know, we like to do 5Ks. I like to do 5 I like mm-hmm. the short stuff. Um, maybe not 5Ks. I like the 10-mile. Like this this fall, I did a 10-mile race. Like I knew I was in pretty good shape. And I'm like, I'm going to do... And it was like a distance between a 10 mile or half marathon. And I was like, but you know, if I did the half, like I could brag about my half time and like people would know what it means. And you do like a 10 mile. Everyone's like, what? Like, what is that? No one does a 10 mile. No one does like a 10 mile for time. Like no one's like, oh yeah, you know, I do X in the 10 mile. You know, everyone's like, what's your half PR? You know, and it's just so funny. It's like, I, I got down to the whole this year or last year, last two years, I've been focusing more on like what I want to do and like the races I want to run. Um, and just not really caring about, you know, what, what other people are doing and trying to chase other goals that other people have. Um, it's good to set goals for yourself. Like if there's some trail race that you really want to do and you see it and you're like, Ooh, 25 K like trail. I don't know what that means. Like those are things that like can excite you. And, and even if that sounds really different, like a 25 K trail race, like do it anyways, you know, if it's something that you're interested in doing and it sounds like a fun challenge, I think that people should be signing up for more of those races or, you know, I encouraged one of my athletes, uh, she'd never done a track race ever in her whole life, but she had run multiple marathons. And I said, you know, come to this track meet, like show up. And I paced her to a one mile and then she was in like a four by 400 relay. And it was so funny to like see her face afterwards. Cause she's like, Oh my gosh, that was so fun. And she like ran faster than she ever had in her life. And even I was shocked at like the splits that she ran, I was like, holy crap, you have so much speed. And I think just doing those things outside of your comfort zone, um, it was like super exciting. I like, it was like the best time ever. But when you constantly are just doing the same, same thing over and over again, it can get old. And I think sometimes people feel like obligated, like they have to do it or they have to chase Boston or they have to, you know, run a marathon or a sub four or whatever. Um, it's all about what you want to do. And running is what you make of it, right? Like, I think I I did a throwback Thursday today of when I did this 50K, and that wasn't even like a planned thing. I just was on runningintheusa.com one day, and I had just ran a marathon six weeks prior, and I was like, I'm going to do a 50K, and I just signed up. I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. It was super hilly. I just... And just to experience it and to see what it was all about, it was, like, really fun and cool, and I'll never forget the experience. Um, Those are the races that are cool. And sometimes, like, 
doing those road marathons, like they all kind of blend together in my head. Cause it's like, I've ran, I've ran the same times so many times. And it's like, yeah, it was like the same thing over and over, like 325, 324, 323. Like I get it, you know, like I, I I've done it, but you know, when you do something outside of your comfort zone, those are the things like you never forget. Like I'm sure, do you remember that trail half marathon that we did together? The one in, yeah. Like seven no, years I mean, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Super what was that like compared to what you normally do? Oh, compared to regular flat half marathon? Yeah. Uh, I think I might have – well, my PR was 113 for the half marathon. I think that day I struggled to break 140. Like it was – I think I ran 139. So it was just funny. so hilly. It's just um, different. different terrain. You know, you're on dirt, you're on grass. Um, so, yeah, just a fun challenge. But every now and then it's fun to mix it up with different races. And, um, you know, if they're shorter, you can probably handle doing a little bit more of them more frequently as opposed to the longer stuff. Totally. Yeah. And then just understanding the marathon's not end all be all. You know, we've said it a million times. It's great to do it. But I think it's really funny. We just hired a new coach. Um, he's a six time 100 mile finisher. So he ran 100 miles in one run which like so if you think marathon is the accomplishment i'm just like there are like crazier people out there i mean there's there are just these crazy challenges you can do um so definitely just understand the marathon just one distance within the realm of running and even if you're just like a one mile runner like you're still a runner you know um like we who is it like heather camp isn't she like usa she's super Mm -hmm. fast She's never ran a marathon. I, I'm sure she's never ran a half marathon, but she what does she run for like a mile, like sub five, right? Like, yeah, I don't like even... 420 something. Like a yeah. 420 yeah. mile. She, this like chick that. runs a 420 mile. She's definitely a runner, right? Like, I mean, she's legit and just she never does a marathon. You know, a lot of people don't do them. Um, there's so many different things that you can do within the sport of running. Uh, marathons are cool. Ultra marathons are cool. Just try whatever like excites you, you know? Do you have any last words of wisdom for people who are training for a 5K, 10K, trying to figure out what they want to do or just advice you know, for starting? Not really. I, I kind of want to talk about Galen Rupp here for a second because he, <laughs> you know, he was one of the most elite track runners for so many years. And I think he medaled at the Olympics in the 10K years ago, uh, you know, and he stayed away from the longer races, the marathon. I, when he got to a point where I think he realized he reached his full potential on the track with the shorter races, that's when he started shifting to the longer stuff. And, you know, we fortunately were able to run into him once uh, about three or four years ago, about three years ago in, out in Portland. And I, I asked him, how do you like this transitioning to the longer races? And he said, you know, I actually really, really enjoy it. I love it. So um, I think that, you know, there's obviously no rush to get there, but especially if you've never explored your true potential in the shorter races, I would challenge you to do so because it's fun. And you know, the older we get, it's going to be harder to, to do it. So, um, but if you've never really had that opportunity, it can be definitely a fun challenge for you. No, and I think that really brings up a good point. You know, we're talking about Galen Rupp and how he waited to run his marathon before he had all of his speed fully developed. Um, and then I think about some of my athletes or even just like my parents. My parents, uh, they started running when they were 50, and now, you know, they're about 57 and they've done quite a few marathons. And, you know, sometimes when we're planning to hang out with them and stuff, we'll, we'll ask what they have on their agenda. And they're like, oh, I have a 12 mile run or 13 mile run. And we'll be like, me and Jason are like, oh, it'll just be like maybe two, three hours, you know, of time. But because, you know, it, it, they're not running as fast, sometimes their long runs 
we're just like, oh my gosh, they're out there for so long. And it just, we're not used to, like, so when they say mileage, we always think how long it would take us. And they're out there way longer than we are. If they, if, when they're marathon training, I'm like, holy crap, like you were out there for over yeah, three hours doing this run. Too. Whereas like our longest runs for marathon training, like if I do a two hour run, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for marathon. Like, well, yeah. but if they do two hours, well, they're at like 10 miles, 12 miles, you know, and, and that's just, a, it's a totally different beast. And I think, you know, waiting to run until maybe you have more speed, it makes marathon training like easier because you're not out there for as long. You know, like if I had to go out on three hour long runs just to get in like five or, or not five to get in what, like 15 or 16 miles. Yeah. I don't know that like I could ever, I don't know that mentally I could do that. It's just too long to be out there, to be honest. So like you guys, if you're out there like for that long, you guys are the real MVPs. I definitely think it's harder to marathon train um, when when you have to dedicate more time like that to those long yeah. runs, to all of your weekly runs. I mean, it's, it's, it is kind of, it's nice to not have to be out there for as long of a time commitment. Um, but like we said, if you focus on the short distance and then get your speed down, then it's, it's easier to transition to the marathon just cause it's not, it won't take as long to get the miles in, um, which is a benefit, I guess, but it's all about what you make of it. Um, so yeah, I hope this was beneficial for everyone listening and maybe they decided they wanted to try a shorter distance race or maybe they just decided they want to do a hundred mile ultra. We don't know. <laughs> uh, let us know. And if you ever want to, you know, do a seven day free trial or just chat with us about like your game plan and how you want to develop your speed or reach for new heights with a longer distance race, we'd be happy to help um, and give you advice for what we recommend you do um, and also get the training to get there. Um, so if you ever want to try out that 70 trial, you can visit our website at www.runforprs.co. Fill out the form there and we can get you set up right away. So thank you for listening. Until next time.